Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. We're going to read. We're going to read some verses tonight. But before I, I start uh, s- some of these uh, readings for you, uh, I, I had been. You know what it's like whenever you come to a place like this. You want to preach ten different messages. You know what that's like. You, I'm excited about this, but I'm excited about that. But I'm excited about. And I get a little excited. I can do. And in, in fact, last time I went home and told my wife, "Do you know that the senior pastor told me I was out of control?" She said, I can just imagine. You're out of control at home, never mind in the meeting. So, so we, we hope we can stay with it, but that, that's dependent uh, and subject too. So we're going to try to do that. But I want to reiterate, I may have mentioned something like this before. One of the things that I just love about getting to my age is that God has delivered me from repetition. And, 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 but I want to do that to, to really uh, say tonight where I want to go with this because it's very, very important. What God could prevent in his power, he permits in his wisdom. It's very easy to bow at the shrine of his power, but it's not so easy to bow at the shrine of his wisdom. Because God works in so many different ways. I was in Fiji, and I was with my ministry partner from the U.S., and we were doing a lot of work uh, up just out of Nandi, up in the, in the hills. I was teaching Bible school all week. He was doing a lot of other things. Then we would come down into Nandi, and we would, uh, we would be uh, teaching at night. He would teach for three nights, and I would teach for three nights. I would come with him, and then... Uh, and then he wanted to come with me, which I told him to stay because he's a great writer. And so I said, you stay and write. And there's a guy there that you could actually go to the airport uh, in Suva and ask for Uncle Mesu. And just about everybody in the island knows Uncle Mesu. And he, he's getting quite old, doesn't see very well. And he drives a huge old bus, like an old school bus. And so he would take us up and he would take us down. So for the three nights, I would go down in with Mike and I would go there because we would take notes on each other whenever we were ministering. And, and, and even though we have traveled the world for many, many years, uh, we would still take notes on each other. And then on the thir- uh, when it was my three nights, I said to him, listen, you, you love spending time writing. You don't need to come and listen to me. You don't need to come down tonight. I'll go down and you stay up here in the cabin and you write and, and I'll be back later on tonight and then we'll connect again tomorrow. So finally I prevailed and he stayed. When we were going down into Nandi, as you're going down in, there's a railway line where the train comes past. And, and so we're coming down and I'm looking out because I'm in the front seat of this old bus with Uncle Messi, one of the big long old buses, and I'm sitting there with him. He comes down I think, what's he doing? There's a line of cars waiting for the train to come. And he just pulls right past the line of cars. And he's going. He's half blind. And I don't know where he's going until I watch it. And then the next thing, all I can hear is this train blasting its horn and blasting its horn and blasting its horn. And, and I said, I'm shouting at him, Uncle Messi, stop it. Stop the bus. He says, it's too late. It's too late. It's too late. Now, I'm telling you exactly as it happened. 
we go on the line and the train is right there. And the big light of the train is right in my window. Right in my window. Let me tell you what I was thinking, my last thoughts before going out of this world. <laughs> because if I had gone, you'd never have found this out. <laughs> what would you have been thinking? I was not thinking of my wife or my kids. I wasn't thinking of anything real spiritual at all. This was my last thought. Boy, when Mike finds out tomorrow about this train wreck, he will know that I sacrificed my life for him. <laughs> I wanted the glory right to the end. That's the only thought I had. I'm dying for Mike. He would have been in that seat. He sits in that seat. I'll sit in one of the other seats and he always sat in that seat. But I'm right in his seat and I'm dying for Mike. So I, I now brace myself and I'm ready to go. And time stops, just stops. And the, and the train's coming, it's blasting, the light's in my window. And then the next thing I know, the bus is on the other side of the track. I thought when the light had stopped, when the light had stopped, maybe now we got enough over, so maybe it'll catch the back of the bus and drag it round. But all I know is now the bus is over here. The train goes past. Now, I have no clue, not to this moment, I haven't a clue. Either an angel held the train up or the angels picked the train up, but either way, it never hit the bus. So I went into the city, preached my heart out, got back about midnight up in the mountain, got back about midnight, Mike was in bed, so next day I said, he says to me, how'd you go last night? I said, it was great. I said, but Uncle Messi's crazy. <laughs> he said, what happened? I said, Mike, you nearly lost me. He said, I know. I said, what do you mean you know? Oh, he said, I was sitting writing away in my chair at the desk, and I'm sitting writing. He said, and the Lord spoke to me and said, raise in Iraq, pray for him now. And he said, I slid off my seat with the most incredible burden for you, and I prayed and I interceded, the burden lifted, and I knew you were all right. I said, so I'm going to tell you exactly, no, he said, I'll tell you exactly when it happened. And that was exactly the moment that the train was sitting on my window. Now tell me this, am I more favored of God? My partner, Mike, now is gone to be with Jesus. And he's 10 years younger than I am. And he's gone to be with Jesus. Do you know one of the most incredible things is I don't know where my position was in God's calendar, but I do know this, and your pastor mentioned this at the funeral from what I understand, is that we live in a timeline. We come in from eternity, we lock into a period of time, and we disappear back into eternity. And the period of time is determined by the Lord. When my uh, grandson was dying, and I, I, I'm going to, to, to mention this in a moment uh, a little differently, but when my grandson was, was dying, people were coming to me and they said, 
well, you know, we had 700 at the funeral up in, in our town. He was a popular little guy, absolutely loved the Lord. He loved the Lord with all his heart. In fact, he would be in the hospital all the time with his T-shirts and had to have his T-shirts on NWC. Big, big letters, NWC. Every T-shirt, NWC, not without Christ. He had to have that always there, witnessing to everybody and anybody. When he died, 12 years old, and we were having the funeral, everybody's coming out from the front and talking to me. Well, the tears are pouring down my face as my grandson, and they're telling me, you know, that the, the problem is... We didn't pray enough. That's the problem. We didn't have enough faith. And on they went one thing after another after another. You know, the thing is, it's true and it's understandable that pain makes us say a lot of things. And we express a lot from pain that we wouldn't do normally otherwise. And I understood that. And then they, they, they got to the place, you know, the devil took him and all this sort of nonsense that can come out. And so they were trying to say all that. But when I, and they blamed the doctors because the doctors missed the whole thing and, and all of that stuff. And there are a lot of the medics came because it had so impacted them. But do you know, the thing is, when I got up, I said, I'm going to make something very clear. It isn't the medics' fault. It isn't that we didn't have enough faith. It isn't that we didn't pray enough. It isn't that the devil took him. It has nothing to do with none of that. We are on this earth preparing for heaven. For most of us, it'll take 70 years. Tom did it in 12. You know, the thing is, I'm so glad that God holds the calendar that we try to have a calendar on earth to decide when. There's never a good time to die. There's never a good age to die. I sit with young ones and I sit with middle-aged ones and I sit with older ones and I find out even with the older people that's ready to die, the family's still doing everything they can to keep them on earth. And really, it's time they went. Because I hope when I can't do what I'm doing now and I hope that when I'm old enough and I've served the purpose that God comes and goes, boom, amen. And I'm out of there. But it wasn't going to be in a train wreck. Do you see, or not train wreck anyway. But <laughs> so just be careful here, it could be. <laughs> the light at the end of the tunnel is coming back this way. Now, the, the, the important thing is whatever the deciding is, I don't have that decision. Only my father has that decision. Amen. Because he created me and he brought me into time when he chose to. And he'll take me out of time when he chooses to me. I was born at the exact moment in the exact place in the right place at the right time when God wanted me to be born. And I will die in the place that God wants me to die, the way he wants me to die, when I will die, when he decides to me to die. Amen. Amen. And I want to stay as long as possible. But if I could tell you stories about people that I have been with in their death moments, it nearly makes you wish you could go with them. Some of the incredible things that's taken place, and you know you have to leave them to go back and face the hassles of life again. And they're out, selfish people. Do you know, <laughs> the thing is, <clears throat> I, I, that's why I go crooked, my ministry partner, he's been so selfish. He leaves me with the whole thing. 
I, I need to get on with this and with this. Is that clock going down or up? <laughs> Flip. <laughs> That's demonic. <laughs> Flipping demonic. <laughs> I get it. If your if your problem is bigger than your belief system, you will have a crisis. The big problem is a lot of people just live from crisis to crisis. We move from crisis to crisis. Life's always a crisis. There's always something going on. And you hear it this day and that day, and they're ringing up, and it's always a crisis. Some people do. If your problem is equal to your belief system, you will struggle. But if your belief system is greater than your problem, you will live from rest. I need to have a right belief system. And it's part of it, because what a man or woman believes rules them. We do not rule our believing, our believing rules us. You are no higher than what you believe. What do you believe? What do I believe? Believing determines my destiny. Believing determines the color of my world. I am what I believe that I am. And so what do I believe? What do I believe about God? What do I believe about the world? What do I believe about myself? What do I believe about others? What do I believe about the devils? What do I believe? What I believe tonight is ruling me. And I believe that Jesus is the Son of God and He rules and He not only rules, but He overrules. Amen. (laughs) I'm glad I talk fast. If I, was, if I was one of those Southern Ireland people instead of a Northern Ireland person, I'd be still drawling in the first sentence. <laughs> Anybody here from Southern Ireland? You can get saved tonight. It's all right. <laughs> now, I'm reading from the book, and I am in John chapter 11, and this is a fairly sobering little passage, but I want to bring something to you tonight uh, in... The speed with which I must move. There, uh, in verse 11, and I'm doing it for the King James, and I think that you said that you could run with me, and that's, that's a real trick. Now, a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord, the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying... Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Has it ever occurred to you that nothing occurs to God? Has it ever occurred to you that nothing occurs to God? He stays two more days. Let let me say this to you tonight. The previous verse said, and he really loved Lazarus. And then he says to the person he loves that he has said he loves, he stays two more days. Now, he knew he was coming alive, but He was staying two more days to allow the trauma and everything that went along with death. Let me tell you something tonight. 
Just because you don't have an immediate answer from God, just because it didn't happen this week or this month or this year, and because you didn't get an answer from God, know that that does not mean He loves you less, that He cares for you less. He loves you just the same. Amen. I could go writing a book on how Jesus saves you from a train wreck. What a stupid title that would be. When somebody could be sitting in the meeting who lost somebody in a train. My own niece, or Cass' niece, she got killed in that uh, Granville train disaster. And so what do I do and go to her mother? Oh, yeah, let me tell you a little story about Fiji. That would be an appropriate thing right there. Well, I can see God loves you. He rescues you from the train wreck, but he sure mustn't have loved my daughter. He sure doesn't love our family. Do you know what? The wisdom of God is greater than the, the, the foolishness of man. I want to tell you, the foolishness of God is greater than the wisdom of man. We think that sometimes we have to have an instant answer. It's got to happen. Why do I get going through this? You know why? I don't believe you're any different to me. That's why we love preaching on the rapture. We're all escapists. I want to get out in the easiest, least painful way possible. I want to live in the least painful way possible. And Jesus, to the person that he loves so dearly, so connected with him, stays deliberately away, but first he lets us know that he loves him because his plan is greater than human suffering. His plan is greater than human pain. His plan is greater than your financial situation. His plan is greater than what you've been praying for. His plan is far greater than my little measly mind that thinks it knows best. Amen. And I just want to assure you, when I was reading that tonight, uh, the earlier, I tell you something, I just felt so quickened by that point. He loves me. And I wondered, well, why? Why? And then, you know, you go start thinking, what did I do wrong? Have I sinned, you know? What have I done that God hasn't done that? Why has he not answered my prayer? Oh, he likes those people. They had answers to prayer. I had them testify. I gave them got a testimony. I'm still going through the same old thing. Let me tell you tonight, you do have an incredible testimony. I want to tell you something. Faith is not measured by how quick you get something. Faith is measured by how long you wait before you get it. Abraham waited a long, long time. Amen. Because you know why? God has something else that he wants to talk to us about. Amen. <clears throat> well, let's race down this thing and go on to, to somewhere if you can catch up with me. But now, we'll go down to verse uh, 18. Bethany was near Jerusalem, uh, about two miles away. And Jesus wasn't driving a sports car. 
And many of the Jews had joined the woman around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. We have all experienced there's, no, there's nobody humanly alive that hasn't had some contact with death, some contact with living in an environment like this, some people who haven't worked with bereavement, some people who haven't seen the pain of grief. We have all lived in this kind of a thing. And right now we have that kind of environment to which Jesus is speaking. And now the Bible says, and many of the Jews had joined them, we were in this this morning situation, and there'd been a lot of tears, a lot of pain, a lot of hurt, a lot of grief, all the common factors. And then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, she got up, raced out and met him, but Mary was still sitting in the house. Do you know something? My brother's sister, I'm here with you, or I hope you're with me in this, but let me tell you something. As soon as you hit a hard time, as soon as things are bad, even to the point of the greatest stress factor of all in death, let me tell you, it's terrible hard to rest. It's terrible hard to sit down. Isn't it amazing? You have to get busy. You have to be rushing. You have to be doing something. You have to try to make something happen. You have to console somebody. You have to talk to somebody, but you have to do something. And the Bible says as soon as Martha heard, she raises off. She goes off to Jesus, but Mary was still sitting in the house. Oh, I tell you something. There's a revelation that I want of Mary. I want to be able to sit when things are flying past me, when the world is rushing past me, when things are going wrong, when things are hectic. I'm not talking about not helping people and not doing. I'm talking about this inner attitude of rest where we actually have a belief system. It's going to be okay because Jesus is here. I don't have to rush into it. I don't have to rush after it. I don't have to go trying to make him do it. I don't have to get in there a great big prayer time. I don't have to do a thing. I can just rest in his everlasting arms, rest in the assurance that Jesus is here. And because he's here, I can trust him. Amen. I want to be able to sit. Oh, God, help me to sit in the calamities of my life. Help me to sit in the stress issues of my life. Help me to sit and stop trying all my own self-effort to make something happen and get something going when I can just sit and let him take charge. Amen. Amen. When the billows of life try to overflow me. And Martha goes out. Now you imagine this. Martha rises out and she flies to Jesus and instead of saying, oh, oh hallelujah, oh, Jesus. Oh, I'm so glad you're here, Jesus. Oh, no, no. She comes to Jesus like we were doing our prayer time. So, how come you're not here? How did you not come? No greeting, no welcome, no glad you've come, no glad you're here. No, no, no. Why did you take so long? Where have you been? Why didn't you, you know what? Now she starts lecturing the Lord and the divine counsel. <laughs> You've never counseled the Lord. <laughs> you know why we, we know we have? Because he already has said in the Bible, who has ever counseled me? <laughs> I told him how he didn't get it right. Have you not done that? Yes. She's counseling him now. If you'd been here, if only you'd been here, if only you'd been here. He is here. 
But it doesn't matter now. I'll tell you something. It matters more now than it mattered before. And sometimes when we don't have an answered prayer, we start giving up and we let go. And we don't realize at this moment, I need him more than I've ever needed him. And I need to hold on to him and trust in his wisdom, trust in his sovereignty, trust in his greatness, and know that what God can prevent, he permits. Amen? Be able to rest in that. If only he had been here. There's three kinds of people in this meeting tonight. And there are people here just like Martha. And how many times have we not lived like this? And Martha says, if only you'd been here. There are people in this meeting, and you know, particularly temperament-wise, that you are an if-only person. How many of us do not relate to past events, past situations, things that have already gone? If only I hadn't have made that mistake. Like they all said to my grandson about my grandson Tom, if only the doctors would have found it, if only we had prayed more, if only we had been more passionate, if only we had had more faith, if only we could have done that. The same cry that was coming out of Martha, if only you'd been here. There's your problem. You're running late and you're not getting it right. And Mary had a revelation for the past. And she's thinking about the past. And how many of us in this meeting tonight, and we could go into this in quite an involved way, but we do not have the time according to what's going on upstairs. And now, if only, have you ever said that? Boy, if only I hadn't made that decision. If only I hadn't bought that stupid car. If only I hadn't made that business transaction. If only I had studied in school, I got to university. If only I had made a better decision on life. If only I hadn't married that deadbeat. If only I hadn't have done that. If only I... You know how many marriages I sit down and listen to couples? If only they hadn't married that person. You know how many? If only, I'll tell you something, that was a revelation, that was a revelation of Martha's. And she says, if only. I want to tell you something tonight. There is no waste in God. There is no waste in God. You're looking back and you're thinking, I've wasted those years. If only I hadn't wasted those years. Do you know... uh, we have moved into an apartment place now, but before that, you had to go down the stairs and go out, and we had a, a, a bin for the rubbishman, and it had dividers in it. And my wife would tell me, to ask me to take the stuff down and then tell me by instruction how it goes into the bin. This goes in the front, and this goes in the back, and so on. And I'd say, yeah, 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 yeah. When you've heard that a few times, you just get deaf. (laughs) But I would fly down, open the lid, look at the two bags. Hmm. Now, which bag was to go where? (laughs) But I know I'm not ringing back up. I am not going to call back up to Her Majesty. Oh, no. Because I already know the answer. I knew you were not listening. So I just grabbed both bags, shoved them in and said, let them sort it out. (laughs) 
I'm so glad now I don't take the rubbish. I don't have to worry about it. And they only have two colors. And that suits an Irishman well. We only have red and we only have yellow. And I think there's some green thing comes, but I have no idea where it comes, why it comes. But there's a green sulfur. But I only know there's two bags that I go and throw anything in. Do you know why? What they do? Man has got a partial revelation for waste. And they call it recycling. They take so much of it and they can recycle it for other uses. I want to tell you something tonight. God has already got a full revelation for your waste. Man probably will finally only have one bin. And he will find a total revelation for our waste. But he's only got a partial revelation tonight. But God's got a full revelation for your waste. He will restore the years that the locusts have eaten and the canker worm, and he'll restore them back to you. Don't allow the enemy to rob you by telling you, if only you had not done that, if only you had not wasted that time, if only you had not wasted your school years, if only you had not wasted all of that. If Don't let the enemy tell you that. I want to tell you tonight, do not go there. You mustn't go there. Amen. If only, and I... I I brought some notes up and they're really a waste of time because they're only a prolong of the agony. Now, <clears throat> if only you'd been here and Jesus said, Martha, Martha, Martha. Oh, Martha, he's trying to calm her down. Boys, he's had some calming experiences for me. Calm down. It's all right. You're enough flustered for nothing. It's going to be all right. It's all going to be all right. Martha, listen, your brother is going to rise again. And Martha jumps straight in and she says, I know that, I know that he is in the resurrection. Let me tell you something. Martha had a revelation for the past, if only, and she had a revelation for the future, but she had no revelation for the present Christ. She had no revelation for Jesus now. And there are people in this meeting tonight, and I know because we have been there, and I shared it with both things with you, and I understand it. There are people who are if-only people, and they're if-only, and they'll live in the past and drag the past up and drag the things of the past up and the mess of the past and the mistakes of the past. And then there are people who will go into the future, and they say, oh, I know, but what if? What if? What if my kids don't serve the Lord? What if my financial situation is in ruin? What if the people and these terrorists take over the world? What if this happens? And you know what? You can be paralyzed by living in the fears of tomorrow. By living in the what if. I'm free from the fears of tomorrow. I'm free from the guilt of my past. I've traded my shackles for a glorious song and I'm free. Praise the Lord, free at last. Amen. What if it doesn't come to pass? What if your dreams aren't realized? What if? Do you know something I want to tell you? I listen to people talking about revival coming to Australia. I heard some prophetic people talking not long ago that Australia is going to be the place of, of a prophetic work. Do you know what? I want to get out of my seat and jump up and down and rejoice and praise God and say hallelujah, amen, and so on. But let me tell you something. I want to really leave you tonight on this. I'm not finished yet, but I'm leaving this with you. I'm just frightened she's coming out. <laughs> Kathy, we're not ready yet, Dan. I, I see you've got a position of better interest. 
I want to jump up and down. I want to jump up and down and say amen. But let me tell you something. This is absolutely critical. The great someday is the enemy of everyday faith. The great someday. Revival, if it's coming to Australia, and I start looking at revival, and maybe it's the opposite to revival. Maybe it's persecution. Maybe it's not going to be the way that I look at it. Maybe it's not so. And even if it is so, you don't need revival in 10 years. We need revival in our spirits now. Amen. I had people 20 years ago telling me revival was coming to Australia. And it looks to me like, unless I'm going to be an old guy or it's happening this year, I may not see it in Australia because you know why? It doesn't matter razoo to me because I'm living in resurrection life now. Amen. And Jesus says, she said, oh, I know. What if people, please, you'll trap yourself and you'll be in bondage in your what if. Jesus said, Martha, 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 I am. I am the resurrection and the life. I am. I am is in the present tense. Do you see that? I am is in the present tense. I am is the shortest sentence in the Greek language and the most powerful of all. The spirit is, not was. The children, of Israel were, the children of Israel were called Israelites. They weren't called Wasraelites. <laughs> They're called Israelites. We are the Israelite of God, living in the moment, living right now. The necessity to stay in the moment. And so one of the most important... I'm just looking around here because I have notes written down on the thing. And I don't want to miss something that could be good. Now... <clears throat> I found something. <laughs> There's nothing worse when you preached and sat down and thought, what a blue, I missed that. If only I had looked at my Bible. <laughs> you know why you can't live in the if only and you can't live in the what if? Because God has no grace for yesterday. If you go into yesterday and the enemy gets you into yesterday, he'll defeat your present. If he gets you into tomorrow, he'll defeat the present. But let me tell you, if you go into the if only, you're on your own. You go into the what if, you're on your own. There's no grace for yesterday. It's gone and you'll never buy it back. And there's no grace for tomorrow because it hasn't come. And therefore, if you go into trying to live in yesterday or trying to live in tomorrow, I can tell you this, there is no grace and no wonder people live burdened. No wonder people live with loads. No wonder people don't live in rest. No wonder people struggle. No wonder people live in crisis. And they live in crisis and they struggle because they're living either in yesterday or the past year or they're living in the fears of tomorrow and they're living beyond today and they're living there and there's no grace for that. And I'll tell you to live the Christian life without grace it'll kill you. Amen. What does red mean? I, I'm going I'm to finish. I'm going to finish. Are you, are you all right? I have to show you something. 
No, no, I need to leave that down. Hold on, let me shut all this up. <laughs> that gives you confidence that I'm nearly through. <laughs> hey, I want you to do, I'm going to do an exercise. And when we've done this exercise, I'm through, I'm out. I want to prove something to you tonight about what I've just shared about. Um, I, I won't be look. oh, they've given me another, oh, you got another 22 minutes. Oh, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> just feel like I've scored a century. Now, <laughs> I'll go on my watch because I don't trust that there. <laughs> it, it's, it's jumping and darting. No wonder I said it was demonic because it comes up. Well, now we're back to four. Now, <laughs> in my watch, just my watch, looking at my watch for the exercise. And by the way, my father-in-law has just gone to glory only recently, and this is his watch, specially given to me. Isn't that nice? So I wear his watch, and when I wear his watch, I remember the good times and the not-so-good times. Anyway, the thing is, <laughs> when I'm looking at this watch, uh, it is now 25 past seven. Yes? Now, for those of you in this meeting tonight who have lived in the if only, I want you to prove to me how good you have been at doing it. And what I want you to do is I'm going to click my fingers, and it's 25 past seven, and I'm going to click my fingers, and I, go, I want you to go back to 20 past. So when I click my fingers, you will go back to 20 past seven. You'll go back five minutes into the past while I'm watching you because you've been doing a good job of it for a while and going back into the past. Let's see how good you are now at it and I will just click my fingers. Yeah, you didn't move. <laughs> All right, come on. The rest of us, let's show those old slow coaches. Let's show them how they were dragged in the past and stuck in the past. And let's, we're going to go into the future. So all those people that live in the what if that might take place and might happen and all the other things. What I want you to do is 25 past. And I don't want you to be thinking that if you go forward five minutes that I'll be shut up and it'll be good. That's not what we're thinking. What I want you to do is I want you to go forward five minutes and I want you to go five minutes into the future. I'm going to click my hands and I'm going to watch to see how many people can go there and we're not in the movie, Back to the Future. So now, when I look at this, it's 25 past. Those of you that's lived in the what-ifs and been imprisoned in the what-ifs and defeated by the what-ifs and full of fear because of the what-ifs, come on, do it for me, let's go. Do you see? You know what you did? You proved absolutely conclusively that you're a creature of the moment. You totally proved to me that you're a creature of this moment. In my next breath, I may not be talking to you. I could be in the presence of God. I have no guarantee beyond this moment. This is all I have. Do you know what? If I can live in the moment, if I can stay in the moment, that's why Jesus said, I am. You will only find me in the I am. You'll only find me in the moment. You won't find me in the yesterday. You won't find me in the tomorrow. Martha, if you're going to find me, you're going to find me only now in the I am. 
that's all I am, and I am everything you need now. I'm everything you need now. I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm your resurrection power now. I'm not your resurrection in five years from now or the second coming. I'm your resurrection now. You're in resurrection now. I am. You prove to me absolutely that you could not go into the past, yet we have lived there in our minds and our hearts, or in the future, we have lived in our minds and our hearts. We are creatures at this moment. Do you know how restful, how freeing, how liberating it would be if we just lived in the moment? There's nothing wrong with planning for the future, but not living there. Amen. Do you see that? Okay. Here's, the Bible says in John 10, 10, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Does he not? Okay. Here is exactly what happens to our lives. All the devil has to do to defeat me, get me down, depress me, or whatever, is to take me out of the moment. And if the devil can move me out of the moment, 60 of those make a minute, 60 of those make an hour, 24 of those make a day, 7 of those make a week, 52 of those make a year, and the devil has stolen my lifetime. He has ripped me off. We run around talking about the devil and the power of the devil and everything else. The devil's a thief. He's a time thief. He wants to rob you of your moment by getting you caught up in your past or caught up in your future because Jesus says, I am. And the devil says, you was or you won't be. But Jesus says, I am. And the devil will rip you off by taking your moment. If he can steal your moment, he can steal your lifetime. How many days in the year does God want to love you? 365. Every leap year you get an extra day's love. He wants to love you every minute, every hour, every day, every week, and every year. But you only experience it in the moment. Let us live in the moment. Drop the if-onlys. Drop the what-ifs. Live and enjoy the I am and you have everything that you need. God bless you and thank you so much. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au 